Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Awakening with Sarah. I'm your host, Sarah Adams, musician and transformational life coach, bringing you powerful wisdom, helpful tools, and inspiring music to support you on your journey of awakening. So in this episode, I want to discuss a concept and a behavior that can be really uh, detrimental to the psyche, to the body, as we move through times of challenge. And this is the topic of spiritual bypassing. You've probably heard of this topic. You've probably heard it um, used in many metaphysical circles in the context of healing in the context of narcissism. So what is spiritual bypassing? You could also just call it cognitive bypassing. You could forget the word spiritual. But what cognitive bypassing is, is when the cognitive mind or the intellect in a sense asserts its own, what would you say? I think actually the better way to, to do this is just to explain an example of spiritual cognitive bypassing. So in my own life, there have been many situations where the cognitive kind of has this idea where if I really understand something, if I get to the bottom of the purpose of something, then I won't have to feel the pain of it. Like the mind could somehow come to a point of understanding that would stop the pain, right? That would stop the hurt from happening. And at the human level, when emotions are triggered in the body, it's just a matter of fact thing. Emotions are triggered in the body. You can't make them go away with a greater understanding by the intellect or the cognitive right? Ultimately, you're going to have to experience these emotions because they're in the body. And so mm, I often think of, okay, it's the inner child. It's helpful to divide up the personality into different parts like the inner child, the cognitive, the divine feminine, right? Um, Now the inner child is the one that no matter how much the intellect tells her why something had to happen, she's still going to hurt, right? And then the body brain, you know, if you put your hand on a hot stove, you can understand the physics of science of exactly why that will burn your hand. But understanding is not going to make the pain stop. The hurt will still be there, right? Um, And this is not to say that in some states of consciousness, we can't change our beliefs to actually um, change our physiology. But but we're not talking about that, right? We're talking about at baseline, when pain comes into the being, that that pain has to be processed with empathy, with presence, right? Or it's not going to go away. Um... Another way to look at pain is like the blossoming of a flower. You know, when a trigger comes, when an emotion comes, emotions are energy in motion, right? When an emotion comes, that energy is put into motion and it has to see itself through till it returns. It goes on a peak and a wave, wave, like a peak of a mountain. And then it's, it's at its highest intensity and then it drops off and returns to the background radiation in the universe, right? The primordial zero point 
and then it's usable energy in that neutral waveform. We might call it a neutral waveform. Okay. So an emotion is like a charged particle of energy. And once it's got that, it's charged with an emotion, right? I, I don't know if I explained this that well, but just understand there's a life cycle. It has to rise up like a mountain and then go back into the river of life, the river of light. Okay. So I guess the best way to do this is to describe a specific experience in my life. And then you can come up with experiences in your life, right? And the purpose of explaining this is to help us, to help us, to help us on our healing journeys, to not get, um, without saying not, to keep our fingers on the pulse of our healing. How's that? Okay. And not let emotion get backed up in the body where it causes problems. Backed up and blocked emotions are what cause pretty much like so much of the dis-ease in our physical and emotional experiences because we have backed up emotions, right? Okay. So example. So in my life, I have these two men who mean a lot to me. They really mean a lot to me in this dimension. I've given them a lot of meaning. And they touch my, both of them touch my heart. I'm not going to mention any names. And I have a little bit of a, well, a lot of a bit of a romantic uh, love fantasy bond with one of them, which is diminishing as I bring home this love to myself. And you probably saw on the previous episodes or heard on the previous episodes, me talking about romantic love as a catalyst. So here's the situation. So I've chatted both of them on Instagram and in their community inboxes, and they have both completely ignored and rejected me. Okay. So there's, that's the experience right there. Now, this rejection and total ignoring has caused a lot of pain for my inner child. Tremendous pain, right? I have cried so much. I have gone through intellectual consternation and thinking and really given so many hours of my life force to this experience. Okay, so number one. When anyone rejects and ignores you, it triggers a sensation of rejection, right? Pain, unworthiness, core shame. All of these emotions, depending on your particular karma, can get triggered. Now, understanding if you didn't already have those charges, those trauma tracks in your brain, and your emotional body, you would not, you'd respond with a pretty much of a, oh, who cares, you know, response and probably some disappointment, but you probably wouldn't say, I'm no good. I'm bad. I shouldn't have texted them. Who am I? They're so great, whatever, right? You wouldn't do all that. You'd probably just be like, oh, okay, well, too bad. I guess they're not into this relationship and you just go the other way. But if you have a history, which most of us do at this late point in our human evolution, if you have a history with rejection, pain, abandonment, trauma, unworthiness, all of these things are going to get hit, right? And you're going to be in a world of pain over this. So now at a cognitive level, I can be very thankful that these guys are illuminating these painful patterns in my psyche, right? I mean, in a sense, these guys are like, um, shining their flashlights on these held trapped, painful traumas that do need to be brought up and healed. So in a sense, we can thank the people in our lives that trigger us. The ones that appear to cause us the worst pain are sometimes our greatest allies on the healing journey. 
Now, here's where the danger comes. There is no amount of understanding, understanding of why this happens or the great benefit of this happening that can actually make the emotion go away. There really, you can't do it. It doesn't work. The electricity of the mind will never heal the magnetism of traumatized emotional body, right? Traumatized emotional body is magnetic and it has to be restored out of distortion back to its zero point. So case in point, when these guys rejected me, I felt sad. I felt hurt. I feel, let's just use it present tense. I feel abandoned. I feel unloved. I feel unseen. I feel hopeless. I feel afraid. All these things, right? All these things. And at the core of all these things, I feel disrespected. And underneath that, you can probably guess, right? I'm really good at processing my pain, my sorrow, my fear, my unworthiness that I'll ever have you know, a niche in this society that I'll ever be seen, loved, and recognized in the ways that my ego wants to, right? I'm really good at processing all of the self-effacing emotions. You would call these self-effacing, right? Because these emotions are turned in on the self, right? They're not emotions that are going out. They're emotions that are turned in. Now, the emotion that I'm not good at identifying and feeling is the self-expansive emotion, like anger. Anger is usually the last thing I can identify, um, especially when I'm being rejected by beings that I'm sort of almost kind of worshiping, right? I, I feel like, oh, these beings are, they're the ones I want to be connected to, right? And there's all this like glamour, like rise to the top through association. If I can know the famous people, then they can lift me up and blah, blah, blah. All of that is a total trap, I'll tell you, because it's an external addiction. It's an external reliance. And basically all external reliance will dump you right back at ground zero because the, uh, as I talked in my other podcast about detachment, right? I don't think I put that podcast up. Oh, I need to put that podcast up. Yeah, that the goal is detachment. I mean, that's how we come to peace. That's how we come to unity. That's how we come into right relationship with source is through detachment. If we have attachment, it shows that we have trauma to the extent that we're attached to anything and wanting to control life to be a certain way is to the extent that we are trying to avoid a trauma. So that's the best thing you can do. Remove every area of anything you're attached to. Has to go, pretty much. Okay. So, <laughs> where was I? Okay, so anger. I'm not good at feeling anger. It's a hard one for me to identify. Oh, I can go into despair, unworthiness, fear, at a drop of a hat. But anger? No, no, no. That's one I tend to just be like, oh, I don't think so. You know, there could be a big, angry, you know, crocodile about to eat me alive. And I'm going to go into my intellect and say, oh, thank you. Thank you for this trigger. Which thanking people for triggers in your mind is a, is a good thing to do. But you do not want to bypass the emotions especially the emotion of anger. So, you know, there's some part of me inside that says, you know, I'm going to try not to swear in this podcast, <laughs> which is a challenge because I do swear a lot. But um, how can I say this? You know, those schmucks, they didn't, they didn't even write back to me. I would never do that to anyone. I would never not write back to someone if they were sincerely reaching out to me with their heart. Now there's people on Facebook that don't know me from Adam that reach out to me and don't tell me anything about themselves. And I feel like, oh, no, 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 no. Now with them, I'll usually write to them and say, hey, I have enough friends on Facebook 
um, I'm not interested in this connection. And then that's what I say. But at least I've said something, right? And most people, I give the benefit of the doubt. I, I if they if they talk to me and they they're interested in something sincerely, I will I will open a conversation with them, and I will always give it closure if I'm not interested, right? So this is the honorable way to treat a human being, just so we know. So it's very dishonorable to just not talk to somebody, right? Gene Key 22, dishonor. One of the most dishonoring things we can do is ignore each other, right? Negative feedback and positive feedback are much easier for the human psyche to bear. Total ignoring is one of the most painful things that the human psyche can bear. It leaves you in a tailspin. It leaves you just spinning around and going through pain and d- confusion and disbelief. Um, it's a lot. It's huge. Because as human beings, one of our main needs is to be seen, loved, and recognized. Those are the three big ones, to be seen. When you're ignored, are you seen? No. Loved. When you're ignored, are you loved? No. When you're recognized, when you're ignored, are you recognized? No, it's three strikes across the board, right? I mean, it ends the baseball inning. It's a big, huge, triple strike of pain. And like I said, the response of rejection, abandonment, betrayal, uh, despair, those things are absolutely going to happen when something like that happens to the extent that you have trauma. But even more importantly, anger is going to happen. Anger is going to happen. Whenever hurt happens, there is anger underneath. And that is very important because in our society, especially if you're a woman and you were raised in an approval seeking environment where perhaps your mother as a child was not allowed to ever experience a negative emotion, right? She maybe probably more allowed to cry. Uh, but the last thing that the proper lady is allowed is anger, right? That's just not allowed. No, 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 no. It gets passed down, you know, through the generations so that anger tends to be something in my life, right? That I really have to be aware of. I have to ask in every situation, whoa, is there anger there? Do you have to, is there some anger you need to process there? Or it ends up in my body, right? And it, and it wreaks havoc in my body. Things don't work, right? I get constipated, stomach gets upset, uh, have trouble breathing, like all of these things. Can't sleep, right? So, Again, this cognitive bypassing, it doesn't matter how grateful we are to them at a soul level for triggering all this pain. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you for triggering this pain, you know. And it's true. It is a gift to have pain triggered. But it does not, it does not take away the hurt or the anger at the human level, just because your higher self knows that it's all perfect and it's all serving a purpose and it's illuminating a big pile of unhealed trauma. Fantastic. That can be true. But what's also true is it hurts like hell. And whenever something hurts, there is anger that gets generated, right? So you're going to have to feel your anger. You know, even if you ultimately love these people that you're angry at, you're going to have to feel that anger. You're going to have to take that inner child and let her smack a pillow. Or even your cognitive, your masculine, you have to take him and, 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 and let him say, they had no right. How could they treat me like that? That's totally not the way we treat human beings. And really, among human beings, I think there are some agreements of humane treatment of one another. You know, if you're going to reject someone, reject them. But, uh, you know, and tell them, try to tell them nicely, you know. You know, look, I know you want to connect with me, but I've got too many other people in my life 
you know, and I wish you well. Something like that so that they don't keep reaching. The hardest thing is when you keep reaching, you think, well, maybe they'll, maybe they'll respond to my next note. You know, what's interesting is, um, I have a lot of uh, traumatic experiences where I was left to die as an infant. And um, I'll talk about this in the mother wound, healing the mother wound um, podcast. But um, when you're left to die, uh, especially as an infant, you reach into the night. You reach over and over again into an empty response. Now, granted, for an infant, the mother coming is life and death. When you're chatting someone's inbox and they're not chatting you back, it's not life and death. But what happens is if you have that trauma track of something that was life and death, you keep reaching because life keeps reaching out for the, for its answer. You know, you keep waiting for that person to return or come back. You know, the mother that left you in the dumpster, right? That you were delivered from this warm, watery womb, which had life support. And then all of a sudden you are carried by something, that thing that you were connected to, and it drops you in a in a pile of, we don't know at that, you know, in an infant, an infant doesn't know the word trash or dumpster or anything, right? We just know that the thing that carried it, that was warm, that held it, has now left it It's and it's feeling all kinds of sensations that are scary, right? It's feeling very scared. Like, this is not good, right? It's, there's definitely a feeling of this is not good. And it waits, it reaches, it looks. As long as it has breath in it, it will be waiting for the mother to come back. So when someone does not return your message at all, and that person is very important to you, um, it is devastating. And under that devastation is anger, is outrage, outrage at the universe. I mean, like, how could this happen to me? And that's the original trauma. Now, granted, the secondary trigger is not life and death, right? And it probably, it doesn't warrant as much outrage as when the infant is dying because no one comes. But nevertheless, that core trauma is under there. And there's going to be a lot of anger as the secondary trauma and the primary trauma are awakened at the same time, there's going to be a need to scream and rage and maybe write a nasty note and not send it. You know, you don't need to send it, but, or you could send it. You could actually say, you know what? I know that you, I actually, I don't know your circumstance, but not hearing back from you is really hard for me. Right. You could just say that, I guess. And I think I did say that on one count. But anyway, so what it leaves in you is anger, anger. And I'm going to repeat this. Anywhere there is hurt, there is anger. Let's say that anywhere there is hurt that's perceived hurt coming from another anger at that person comes into the body. So no matter how much you appreciate the trigger and how much it's helping you spiritually grow, uh, you still have to go to the inner child and say, I hear you, honey, we are angry. I hear you. How do we want to express this? You know, do you want to get a punching bag and just punch at it? Do you want to write? Do you want to do all of these things? Do you want to write a letter, you know, with, with your, with swear words and anger? Do you want to, do you want to burn something? You know, do you want to honor your anger by punching pillows? You know, do you want to go out into the wilderness and scream, directing that anger, you know, at those boys? My inner child calls them boys. <laughs> of course, they're men. So that is the important message here, right? No matter 
how much you understand, no matter how much gratitude you have. You know, you can outline it perfectly in the context of your healing journey and be like, look, I figured it out. I figured the exact purpose for this experience. And guess what? You're still going to feel like doo-doo if you don't feel the anger, right? That anger is going to be in the way of you and your life. So do it all. Let your cognitive decipher the gifts, the jewels, and the dragon's teeth. I often think of it like that. The dragon, you know, it bites you. It bites into your flesh and it causes bleeding and hurting in it. But in the teeth are these jewels that you get to recover the, the gratitude for the healing of the bite, right? But you still have to process the pain of the bite and that will not be bypassed by your understanding. And so I'm kind of like hammering this thing in, right? Like, like beating the dead dog or whatever. But so let's just take some breaths here. Let's just make a promise. Beautiful feeling body of my human self. I promise to do my best to stay in touch with wounds as they are being inflicted in the moment. And I promise to process the hurt, not only the hurt, but the anger that comes with the hurt so that my body can remain in flow Dear, beautiful mind, I love your genius and your ability to turn pain into gratitude at your level. But at the level of the body and the emotions, we still have to process our hurt. We have our own cause and effect situation that you are not influenced by. I mean, really, I'm going to stop here. So the activity of the mind is absolutely influenced by unfelt emotion. Okay. But it can fool itself into existing in its own like study. Imagine a house. The mind can go into the study and convince itself that it doesn't have to feel the pain. And that's where we get into this spiritual bypassing. So the mind has to be in touch with the heart and be in touch with the body, right? The body brain is where we feel anger. It's down in the solar plexus. It's down in the womb. It's down in the root. The heart doesn't really feel anger. The heart feels hurt and pain, right? So there has to be a promise. I'm going to follow this experience through my whole body and I'm going to honor my whole body and how this has affected my whole body. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mention something here because I think this is a powerful, um, this will help. And, and it's kind of a painful story, but, and some of you may not believe it. 
but I do believe it will assist in uh, bringing this into long-term memory. Okay, so when I was a high priestess uh, and my, my land mass was Ireland and Scotland and uh, England and Great, Great Britain, right? Specializing in Scotland and Ireland, really. And I would journey uh, through the land and my dedication to the healing of the land was the primary purpose of my life, right? My genetic code was of a lineage of um, royal dragon ley line healers. Um, and so this was my main job. But so now our genetic code because it was a very high, pristine genetic code, we, the powers that be, wanted to replicate that code. So they wanted us to have children. And they wanted us to have as many children as we could have. And so um, I had 10 children in that lifetime. Now, as priestesses, we were in touch with such expansive planetary, galactic, and cosmic energies, right? These are all the upper chakras. These are the chakras above the head. There was not much focus on the human needs of the body at all. It was all about the galactic mission, uh, connecting the ley lines, the larger purpose of the healing of the damaged earth grid. And this was the major focus. Now, as a human body, we had to bear children and those children were ripped from our arms. We never, ever saw their faces. It was decided that the best procedure would be for these children to be carried in our bodies. We, we couldn't not do that. We didn't know how to clone them in the lab. We probably, if we did, we probably would have done that. But we had to have them. We had to bear the children in our bodies, right? We had to. But the messiness was you can't get attached because we're taking these children away from you. Because as a priestess, there's no way you have time to raise a child. It's just not going to, or 10 children, let alone, right? So every one of those children is going to be given to another mother. And you're, the best way is that you never see them. You never bond with them. Okay, now, now, this is totally inhumane, inhumane and abusive. Because at the human body level, carrying a child in your womb is an absolute primal bond. You can't pretend that there's no bond there. That is ridiculous, right? And what's more is that the cycle of the mother bringing the child to fruition is not complete until that child is laid upon the mother's heart and the placenta is able to give everything it came to give as the brain of that child is laid on the mother's heart. Okay. So you can see in this case, this is the case of total spiritual bypassing. You know, the upper levels of the being completely deny the human. And so those wounds have remained in my body for all 10 of those children. Now I did meet two of them in this lifetime. And... With the first one, I got to heal the trauma bond. We actually went back in time and he laid his head. He was a, a little girl in that lifetime. She laid her head on my heart and my placenta was able, my placenta mother love was able to give that brain everything it needed from that time period. And when a brain does not get that placenta love healing, it seeks it everywhere until it finds it. And for it to come from the original mother is, of course, the way the healing comes in the most beautiful form. And the other little boy was, like, um, he was in my kindergarten class. 
that I substitute taught. So anyway, the other eight, I've never had healings with them. Maybe, maybe in the inner planes, maybe in my dreams. But the point is, you know, and there's another, okay, I'm, I have to mention this one because you, know, you look at this and you're like, I don't think so. I just don't think so. So in ancient Egypt, right, the great kings um, would pick the servants that they loved and adored, that they, that they cared for the most. They would pick the members of their staff to be buried alive with them. Now, we can see that this is ridiculous. But the belief was that if you're buried alive in that underground tomb, you will ascend with the king, you know, in his chamber. You will ascend because as he leaves the body, right, at a certain point of his leaving the body, he will take you with him. Bull. No, absolutely not. What will happen is as the oxygen is no longer available in the chamber, you will slowly suffocate and die a really nasty death. But they actually believed that. They actually believed that the greatest thing they could do was bury you alive with, you know, the great emperor, the great king, the great pharaoh, right? What a bunch of, I mean, it's unbelievable. So that's an example of spiritual bypassing that is ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. Um, I just, yeah, yep. I have one of those lifetimes and it has been one of the most traumatic ones to process. I mean, it's just like, are you kidding me? You, you really, you really believe this? You got to be kidding, right? No, they really believe that. So the capacity for the mind to delude itself, that it can overcome the physical sensations of the human animal body, it's real, guys. The mind has that capacity. And while we're not burying people alive anymore, thank God, right? And we're not ever having women not bond with their children, um, hopefully. I mean, in some cases where women give up their babies for adoption, perhaps they do try that procedure. I don't know. But still, the pattern, the pattern of superseding your human body and your human emotions, especially anger, just because your brain has a nice little thesis, that is still there. That's still there in us. And we need to be aware. Follow when you're hurting, when you have a trigger that hurts you, you know, when you're hit by an arrow. When you're hit by dynamite, whatever it is, you know, what it, when a trigger hits you, it hits you, right? Make sure and follow that trigger through your whole body. Deal with the effect of that trigger at every level of your beautiful human body. Your heart's probably going to cry. Your solar plexus is going to be angry. Your lower body and sexual organs may jump on board in that anger, right? The first three chakras are where anger gets stored. Fear and core shame are often in the root. It may feel like they're coming from the mental body but they're really coming from the root and the solar plexus and the sexual chakra, right? All of those can have shame. The kidneys can really be the ones to store fear. Louise, Louise Hay's book, her beautiful book about healing, heal your body, heal your mind. Forgive me, Louise, if I don't have that title back, but it will give you, you know, all the different organs in the body and the ones that tend, you know, to hold different emotions. And EFT is also very helpful, right? EFT will show you that, 
It's your kidney and your, your lungs that will hold the grief. You know, most of the time the sorrow is going to be in the grief. Uh, the shame will oftentimes be on the conception meridian, which you tap under your chin and under your nose for the conception meridian. And shame also often in the pancreas, right? These are known places where that specifically hold specific emotions. So EFT can be very helpful. You can start, you can start at the reversal points under the clavicle, under the collarbone. This is the kidney. The kidney tends to reverse us, right? We go out of the body. We're like, this is too much pain. I'm out of the body, right? So we want to bring ourselves into the body. We want to say, even though I feel really rejected and really sad, and, and I feel core shame. I totally and completely love and accept myself. You know, it's okay to feel this emotion, right? We feel anger is not safe. It's safe to feel everything, right? We've got to go onto that kidney point and tell ourselves, it is safe. It is safe to feel everything. I'm here for you. I love you. You know, you might even say, even though I feel really scared to feel my anger, it's okay to be afraid to feel my anger. And then that's going to take you down to the next level of actually, I really don't want to feel my anger, but I, even though I don't want to, it's okay to feel like I don't want to feel my anger. It's kind of funny, right? Cause you're getting down to it. And finally it's like, it's safe to feel my anger. Motherfucker. <laughs> and then you can punch things and cause anger is a powerful emotion, right? It's a powerful emotion. Anger mobilizes life force. I mean, it is, it's a way higher vibration than despair, right? Because despair is when life force is turned inward on itself. And it's just really sucking itself, you know, smashing itself into low energy and really, really, really sad, right? Really hard to feel those despair feelings. But anger is like power. You know, I used to have a, a sign on my wall that says anger is the bridge from helplessness to power. What an amazing sentence, right? Anger is the bridge from helplessness to power. It truly is, my friends. It truly is. And anger is the emotion that we're most likely to stuff if we're women. And spiritually bypass with our very complex cognitive brains that can spiritually bypass so easily. You know, they build a massive tower like a lawyer in court. Oh, no, this doesn't really hurt because it's all for a great reason. Oh, bull, bull crap. Absolutely not. The inner child still did hurt, right? It's real, you know. It's like telling a diabetic, no, you don't need insulin. Just, you know, mind over matter. No, if you do that, the person will die. Now, granted, some people have capabilities. And in the future, I believe that there will be these states of consciousness where we are able to truly affect our physicality. And some people are already doing that. But most people, by and large, have fragmented aspects of the self like the mental body which are not acting in the best interest of the physical body and can really ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist so that's what this whole podcast is about do not ignore please do not ignore bring this any trauma that you experience let all your bodies experience this trauma honor every one of your bodies your heart your soul your physical body the rage the anger the pain the trauma body right anger stored in the liver and the gallbladder this is a big place for anger gallbladder and liver if you have repressed rage, often you're going to have gallstones. You're going to have gallbladder problems. You're going to have liver problems. So this is big. Anger repressed ends up in the liver and the gallbladder most of the time. Also in the diaphragm, solar plexus for sure. 
um, sexual organs. Yes, for sure. So we want to move our anger out so we can be vitally alive, healthy. Our organs can feel free and clear. Anger can end up in the large intestine as well. Small intestine, you know, anger turned in can usually like, like ulcer symptoms can be anger turned in. Also fear, also shame, shame big in the pancreas, right? The pancreas is a big place for shame. So it's just really important to understand that our bodies need to be cleared when we have a trigger. No matter how much our mind can explain it, our bodies will be the ones to suffer if we do not caretake and release these painful emotions. And so just in closing, just take some deep breaths and just honor our beautiful bodies. And let's, you know, let's ask them to show us and let's tell them that we're going to listen to them. We're going to listen to them. And while it may be easy to feel despair at the level of the heart and, and sorrow in the heart, it may be a little harder to get down to the anger in those lower, the lower parts of the body. That's why breath is so important, complete breath that scans the whole body for the effect of that trigger. The sooner you can really breathe into the fullness of that trigger with all of your bodies, the sooner you can clean all the pain out of all the bodies and return back to harmony and balance. And so I'm just doing that right now. I'm just scanning my body. I still have some repressed anger in my solar plexus from this encounter. Um, which I've been, I've been being rejected since February 22nd. And it took me an entire month and a half to feel the first tiny piece of anger. So I've still got some rocks and some boulders in there and uh, they'll come out as they need to come out. And I've stopped texting these boys now. I'm taking care of myself. Anytime we give our power away to someone who's not honoring, loving and respecting us, we are causing damage to our own being. It's so important that we really get this. We can forgive ourselves. And come to ourselves and apologize and say, I won't do that again, love. Now that I know how that hurts you, I won't do that again. And then we mend our relationship with our inner child, right? And we teach her that giving her power away will only hurt her. And we pull her safely into the, into the, the boundary of our womb and say, love, you don't need to search for love where love is not given. That's not what you need to do because I'm here now and I love you. And this could be a whole nother podcast, right? This is the mother wound of seeking for love where love is not given or the father wound. Anytime our primary, primary significant others in our youth reject us in this way, it sets up a seeking 
and an attraction to that which rejects us. That's a very painful pattern. Okay, so I believe that I have covered this topic in a way that can really help all of us to remember. You know, I make these podcasts very much for myself as well. There's, there's one of the most powerful ways we can really um, internalize a teaching is to teach it. And so while I love to interview guests for this podcast, I also really enjoy bringing to you the most important teachings of my life and the patterns that I am shifting, right? To bring a much greater quality of happiness, joy, freedom, and well-being to my life. And hopefully at the same time, bringing that gift to you. So with that, I will sign off and many, many blessings on this journey of healing. May we breathe deeply into our triggers and honor every part of us that is affected until we bring every part of us back to healing. Much love. I will talk to you next time. Bye.